Welcome to the Sus Talk Podcast. I am Susumu Araki. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. As for me, I was working through most of it. The holiday luster has gone dull for me now. I mean, when you become an adult and you have to work on holidays, and that's just a constant thing that's happened to you, the holidays don't seem as special or festive as you once think it was. You know, it's like I haven't reached like full Grinch levels, so I you don't expect me to be trying to steal all your Christmas stuff and all across town. So I decided to make this brief episode to hit on at least three points, and they're gonna be brief. Two Seahawks related, and then one random point in the NFL that has just been grinding my gears. You know, it's something that just really annoys me when I look at the NFL. So let's get this started with the Seahawks. And what I wanted to do for this podcast was just explain my overall fandom. I love the Seahawks. I have become a fan of this team. And I will explain how I became a fan of this team. And then also touch upon a certain superstar from the past coming back to save the Seahawks playoff or Super Bowl hopes so let's get into why i became a seahawks fan it really kind of all stemmed from well i here's the thing i officially became a fan of the seahawks when russell wilson got drafted and i got to see how he was this man was incredible like i don't think i've ever seen a quarterback who has just the smoothness to his game when he was a rookie like this is a guy that was doing the whole read option thing he was doing it excellently if that's even a word but he was just amazing to watch and not even just that he had impeccable judgment for a rookie his judgment was incredible and that's there was no wonder why the team really just galvanized and they trusted him in him and pete pete carroll really trusted him to the point where he started him as a week one starter over a guy that they signed a lot of money to in mac flynn now here's the thing about me as a seahawks fan it's like wait a second you're a fan of the seahawks when russell wilson started what why doesn't that make you a a front-running bandwagoning dude it's like you know what i'll admit it yeah i kind of did join the bandwagon on that it, it, and that's the thing, though, is me as a football fan, I didn't really commit myself to liking football until at least the 2013 season. Like, I didn't really, it didn't really click for me until then. So, I would usually, when I was a kid growing up, I would usually just group for the New York teams because, you know, that's kind of what society expects of me. It expects you to just root for the local teams. And, you know, I kind of got a glimpse of liking the Seahawks back in 06 when they had the team with Matt Hasselbeck, Sean Alexander. They had a, they were led by Mike Holmgren as their head coach. That was a fun team. And I, you know, and I also always liked their color scheme. I liked the way that their jerseys looked, not the way that their jerseys are now, which are it's pretty good, but the old classic uh, lighter blue jerseys, I, I really enjoyed Like just watching those on the field. It was just great. And, you know, when they made the Super Bowl back in 06 the, for, for the first time, I was really hoping that they would win. But, you know, 
the Steelers won, and I was I was kind of bummed out. Not gonna lie, um, I was very bummed out that the Steelers won. I was really pulling for them, and uh, since then I I was on and off and on football, and I would just root for either Jets or Giants, whichever was the good team. You know, you're sensing a pattern. I was kind of a bandwagon guy, but like again. You, you don't really, you're kind of a bandwagon guy when, like, you're not really fully committed to the sport. Like, you find, once you've decided that, oh, I like this sport, the passion is there. Like, there's a bed, there's like a underbed of passion, like a foundation. And then once that, once you create that foundation, you can kind of spread out and then try to find which section of the foundation you like. So I decided to pick the Seattle Foundation right there. I, and, you know, I have touched on, like, just why I like the Seahawks. Russell Wilson. But it wasn't just, like, Russell Wilson was the entryway. Once I discovered the rest of the team, the, the team itself, the Legion of Boom era, they had, like, this swagger about them. They just said, you know what, we're going to hit you as hard as possible, and we're going to take every ball away from you we are going to be a hard-nosed defense and we're not going to, we're going to be unapologetic we're going to be incredible that's because that's who we are and you know it's that that swagger rubs off on you and it rubbed rubbed off on the fan base and the fan base was already famous even before i became a fan and you know because the, the 12s they're the 12s and i you know i recently watched a uh little history history video on on the fan base they earned the name of the 12s because they would keep continuously pumping loud noise the fans would just go really loud during the days when they were in the kingdom and you know they they even got some press too because i didn't realize this so back in like the 80s the nfl decided to penalize home crowds for being too loud this is an actual thing that happened. It's like fans are being too loud and you get like a, fi- a 5, 10, 15 yard penalty, whatever. I don't really exactly know. But, you know, the fan base really fought hard on that, fought back on that. And rightfully so. It's like the whole point of a home field advantage is to make things uncomfortable for the other team. It's like, what, what you're just going to penalize that? How, how, how are you going to enforce that? It, it was a dumb rule, and it kind of just proved to me that, yeah, the NFL's dumb. It's not just, like, recently it's been dumb. It's always been dumb. And, uh, you know, just bottom line, like, the fan culture, the fan base has been great. Like, it's it's a lot less toxic, and I've really come to enjoy the people that come in and they pitch in their two cents and in their support of the Seahawks. I mean, most recently this year, I kind of just gone full in, and I've just embraced Seahawks Twitter. It, it, you guys should check it out. It's like, check out your local, your favorite team's Twitter universe because some of the content that's made for that is incredible. It, I cannot tell you the number of uh, Seahawks Twitter accounts that I follow, and a lot of them are just incredible. Either they break down stuff, or they just post content. I mean, I'll give you an example. Cable Thanos. This is how I really joined into Seahawks Twitter. There's a there's an account called Cable Thanos, 
and he just puts out these videos and they're inc- and they're just f- hilarious and it's it's the memes it's a meme type of stuff but like it's pretty good it's a nice good four or five minutes out of your day where you can just laugh and have fun and just overall you're both sharing the fact that we both love the Seahawks you know all that stuff and I just just the bottom line. I just want to wrap this up before we I go down to uh, talking beast mode. Being a Seahawks fan is just great, and honestly, like you shouldn't shame people just because they finally decided to pick a team. Like here's the thing: you should shame people for bandwagoning if they keep doing it over and over again. But once they but they do it the first time and they then stick it with the team, back off. All right. Look, and I'm not just saying that out of personal experience. I'm saying that because some people take time. It, you, you don't become a not all not all people p- become fans at an early age. Like people find their teams differently. You don't. It's not always just I was a fan of this team since the 1950s, or I was a fan of this team for 60 years. It's like you'll have those types of people, but like not all people find their fandom that way. And, you know, that that's always been kind of a thing. Like, I've always been kind of confused with the idea of fandom with teams. And I just wish that people would just, you know, lay off. And I believe me, I had to deal with being goofed on by my friends saying, oh, you're just nothing more than a bandwagoning dude. You're just some bandwagoning loser, stuff like that. But, you know, I've just owned it. And I just say, look, I've been a fan of this team for eight years now. So, you want to keep calling me a bandwagoner? That's fine, because I know that it's no longer true anymore, and I've committed to this team. That is how I define myself as a fan. I define myself as, as someone who, yeah, I started rooting for a team when they started when they were winning, but I stuck with them through the highs and the lows. And let me tell you, some of the lows are just like are just brutal. Super Bowl Forty Nine. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's it. That's the lowest of the lows. But I digress. Let's get going and move to the present. Let's talk about Beast Mode. Marshawn Lynch. He is back. He is back in Seattle. And I could not be more happy. And here's the thing about bringing back Beast Mode. The Seahawks were desperate. Can you imagine losing not only your second string running back who tore his ACL only two weeks ago, and then you find out that not only is your best running back out, but the other running back that you thought could be a spell back as well, he also gets injured too. So from what I, I from what I remember, Carson, Chris Carson suffered a hip injury. He's out for the rest of the season. And I'm pretty sure CJ Prosize, like injured his arm. And Rashad Penny tore his ACL. It's like, what do you even do about that? There's nothing you can do. It's like, of course, now you have two running back spots to fill. And everyone, and I saw all over people on the threads and everything. They were saying, let's get C.J. Anderson. And then, you know, because none of us thought, well, Marshawn's retired. He's just doing his own thing. I mean, like a couple of days, days ago, I'm pretty sure there was a report out saying that he was out in Oakland partying partying and it's like beast mode well does what he wants it's like hey look 
He's not affiliated with the team right now. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And when the news started, like, kind of putting momentum into the idea that Marshawn could come back, I was just like, oh, well, they're, they're just doing it for the sake of drumming up news. But it kept getting stronger. It kept going and going and going, and then it actually became reality. And I was just like, what? Wow. This really is happening. I can't believe it. I, I was starstruck at the idea that Beast Mode was going to come back. I thought he didn't ever want to come back to Seattle. I don't. It's some weird circumstances or something that led to the two sides just departing from each other. But you know, it's. I'm just glad nonetheless that he's back. And I mean, we also got Rob. I mean, not me, we, but they also got Robert Turbin back. But the fact that Beast Mode is back—that's the most important thing. And you can tell how much of an impact bringing him back has been for Seattle. This is a team that just came off of an embarrassing loss to the to the Cardinals. They lost to Brent Hundley. They lost to Hundley. You know that dude was the backup for Russell Wilson last year? Un- unacceptable. It was embarrassing. I And I've never felt more embarrassed for the Seahawks. That may have been one of the worst losses I've ever seen them Oh my god, I, I, I just, I can't even. I can't even. I don't even want to think about it anymore. But n- nonetheless, with Marshawn back, the team has like an extra pep in their step. And it could not have come at a better time. Because you know who they're facing Sunday? San Francisco. And where is that? It's going to be it's the link. This is a battle for at least getting a home game in the playoffs. And if you're Seattle, you desperately need that home game. This is a team that looked great in the midseason, but as but now that all the injuries started piling up, this team is pretty mortal. And you could easily knock them out. I'm I'm being completely objective in that statement. So with that saying, how do you think what Marshawn is going to do against San Francisco. Well, San Francisco's a pretty good defense. Yeah, they, they're banged up all across the table. All uh, Not all across the table. They're banged up all across the board. But if Marshawn still has at anything left in the tank, that's a dude you don't want to mess with. And, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to have an amazing game. You wish for that. You hope for that. It'd be awesome. But there's no guarantee. This is a guy that's like, what, got ready and had the most rigorous two-week training just to get himself back into playing shape because apparently he was thinking about returning and, you know, those two sides were kind of thinking about it when Rashad Penny got injured in the first place. But, you know, it's like two weeks. Like, the rest of these guys have been training for almost like a month and even more back in training camp. So imagine just trying to get your get him to game shape in just a, the span of two weeks like that's a lot to ask for even for someone with the athletic caliber of beast it's it's amazing to me and you know i don't i'm not really just like hoping that he has an amazing name again it's like that's i it would be great for all of us but i just want to see him on the field again that's really all i want to see this is like the the emotion, the crowd, 
when he gets announced, like say, you know, in starting lineups or something, apparently, and the raw emotion that he will bring to the link, those fans will be ravenous. They are going to be wild. And this is exactly why bringing in Marshawn Lynch out of all the running back free agents was it was not only necessary, but it was the right decision to bring him back. Because it gives extra motivation to a team that desperately needs it. It gives extra motivation for a fan base that's still, that is starting to lose a little faith that they are going to make the run. And this is why Beast Mode, coming it back, may be the best thing that ever happened to the Seahawks. Alright, now that I've gotten all the Seahawks buzz out of me, let's talk a little NFL. One more point. And this is a thing that's just annoyed me for the past month. I'm going to make the case for why Adam Gase and Freddie Kitchens should be fired after the season. Now, that's not really a hot take. It's It never is. That's, that's, the, that's the most safest take you could possibly make. But the one reason I think that both of those coaches need to go is because they exhibit this lack of self-awareness. They just don't understand that. Or they can't comprehend that they are the problem. They, they just they don't see the fact that they are the obstacle getting in the way of their teams becoming good. So I'll give you an example for Freddie Kitchens. See, it's amazing that out of all the personalities on the team, they have Baker Mayfield, someone who is an extremely volatile personality as a quarterback. You're, it's like that's kind of a slight red flag is that your quarterback is drawing up controversy all the time you don't really want to see it but baker is talented like he's capable we've seen him be good and we know he can be great but sometimes he he kind of gets in his own way sometimes and we all know the history of odell is that he's everyone likes to peg him as this white diva and i gotta tell you like odell this season has been just really well behaved and you can tell that he just really wants to win so why are the browns such a disheveled mess with despite all the talent that they've had freddie kitchens and it's not even just because of his weird play calling his dumb play calling it's just the fact that he can't get control of his locker room he cannot he cannot comprehend the fact that as a head coach, you're not just calling plays. You're leading grown men out there. You're leading 53 grown men into a football field. If you can't get in control of those guys, what are you even doing here? Why are you the head coach? You're nothing more than a cheerleader. For Freddie's case, he has to understand that discipline is another key component of being a head coach. And so far, he's exhibited none of it. In fact, I think he is the most undisciplined member of his own team. And this is a team that has Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham on it. And if, that, like, if your head coach is the most undisciplined and if he's the problem personality on your team, that's a problem. And it kind of goes into a deeper lesson that I'd like to impart. You should never let your rookie quarterback pick your coach. Because Freddie Kitchens is only there just because Baker likes him. That's pretty much it. 
And you shouldn't give all that much control to your players. Like, essentially what I'm trying to tell you is don't pick a head coach just because the players think that they would like to have a beer with him. You pick the head coach because he is going to be the guy that is not only going to set the tone in the locker room and say, we're all in this together, we're going to get that championship, but you have to follow me. You need leadership. And so far, Freddie Kitchens has exhibited none of that. Let's move on to Adam Gase. Now, I believe me, I've known enough through Adam Gase, through the whole New York sports media bubble, that he's just not it. And it's kind of amazing to me that some fans have started to go back and say, you know what, maybe we should keep him for one more year, give him one more chance. And I, here's my answer to any of that. Absolutely not. For Adam Gase, there's a lot of things that he's done. And his is less that he he's not dumb or, in the case of Freddie Kitchens, he's just, like, doesn't understand. Like, he doesn't lack discipline. He, I think he – the discipline part is not the issue for me. I think his problem is just getting out of his own ego. I think Adam Gase getting fired will – he needs a, to be humbled. And – he, that's why I think firing him is necessary. I think Adam Gase, I think he's a capable head coach. He probably has a good offensive mind. I just think that he needs to be humbled and he needs to reflect. Because remember, this is a guy that was Peyton Manning's favorite. You know, that's pretty much what I'm boiling down to how he's managed to become, stay out as a head coach, even after losing the locker room in Miami and then getting signed on as a head coach for the Jets. It's because the Peyton Manning luster is still there. And I think if he wants to be successful as a coach, he has to be humbled. And the whole mention of being Peyton Manning's favorite coach needs to be wiped out. He needs to reflect. He needs to understand that he is not as smart as he thinks he is. Why are you alienating your star running back in Le'Veon Bell? Why can't you prepare for the rest of the game instead of just for the first drive? And why is why are you just going around giving out statements that are only giving news fodder for the New York sports media, which is in itself incredibly vicious. If you mess up in the New York sports media, they will just eviscerate you. And I'm pretty sure Adam Gase kind of had that sense going in and understood that he was going to be criticized all across the board. But some of the stuff that he's been saying is just, like, I don't think he actually understands that. It's, it's, it's just amazing to me. I think that, like, just, it's not even just that I don't like Adam Gase as a person or as a coach. I just think that he needs a chance to be humbled. He needs to reflect this is what Mike. This is why Mike McCarthy's not didn't sign on or take on any coaching roles as, as soon as he was fired, because he took the time to reflect, and he needed to understand why he got fired and how to correct it. I think Adam Gase needs that opportunity. And I'm just going to wrap my point up by saying that if you keep either of these head coaches on, you send a message that you just don't want to win. You don't care about winning. And you also just perpetuate that your teams are both jokes. And, 
you know, Browns and Jets fans should just be thankful that their fans have are passionate and they're not apathetic the way that the Cincinnati Bengals, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and Washington has. Like, yeah, like maybe some of the stadium gets empty, but like at least the fans care. At least the fans aren't outright just saying, you know, I'm done with this team. I'm good. Because you guys, the fan culture is strong. Just give back to them. Give them something to be hopeful for. And it can start by resetting again and getting a better head coach. Because trust me, you'll find a better head coach than Adam Gase or Freddie Kitchens. I just know it. That's going to do it. I'm Susumu Rocky. Thank you so much for tuning in for this brief. Granted, it's like, you know, may have gone over, but whatever. I will post all of my episodes of the Sus Talk podcast on Twitter. So follow me at Susaraki1928. You could also find other updates. I'll, you know, you'll probably find out on my Instagram page. But most of my content will be on Twitter. So please, please give a follow on Spotify. And I will be out here giving you more. I will give the people more. All right? Take care, everybody.